If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome to Weekly, a show where we recap the week on Eurogamer for you. We talk about the features and reviews and whiz through the news and videos so you don't have to. Um, hang on, you do. Don't stop reading Eurogamer. I'll get fired for saying things like that. Remember, supporters of the website get these episodes before everyone else every Friday, whereas everyone else listens from Monday. And you can find out more on the website or in the description below. I'm Bertie, and joining me on Weekly today are some new faces. From all the way over on our news team, we have reporter Ed Nightingale. Hi, Ed. Hello. Nice to see you. And from all the way over in board game land, where people drive around in little dice-shaped cars, we have Dicebreaker senior staff writer Alex Meehan. Hello, Alex. Hello, yeah. My, my little car is currently parked somewhere else. But... Um, it's all both... true. <laughs> thanks both for being here. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Now, one of the reasons I've captured you for the show today is to talk about the pieces you've written for Pride Week on Eurogamer, which has been running all of this week. Uh, we featured new pieces exploring different areas of queerness in games, basically, and there are still more pieces to come. Plus, there's a roundup coming on Saturday uh, to cobble it all together for you. Um, a massive shout out uh, to Matt Wales um, and Lottie Lynn for all their hard work putting this um, together. Although, Ed, you've, you've also been involved too, haven't you? I have, uh, I have. How's it looked from your end? Uh, it's been brilliant, of course. Um, it's always good to see even more queer writers on Eurogamer. Um, you know, I like to think that we are quite good at showcasing inclusivity and diversity um, and uh, all those sorts of things on the site regularly. Uh, but it's nice to have one week where we just really focus on, on really promoting good writing on the subject matter. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's uh, talk about your piece to start with. So you interviewed esports caster Captain Fluke, um, or Emmy, is that what I'm Emmy, saying that? Yes. Emmy, um, who's the first trans esports caster, I believe? Yes, openly trans, yes. Okay. Um, that must be a tough area to be in. Yes, <laughs> very much so. Um, yeah, so she, she's a caster for uh, Siege, uh, Rainbow Six Siege, and also Valorant. Um, and yeah, was the first openly trans uh, caster. Um, and yeah, I mean, esports is an area that we don't massively cover um, at Eurogamer. It's not an area that I know a huge amount about either. I'm not, I'm not super sportsy uh, in general, uh, <laughs> even in video game land. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's an interesting area. I think esports is generally it has that reputation of being really toxic um, for people who anyone who isn't a cis white straight man. Um, it's sort of lots of lots of white men shouting at each other and <laughs> shooting each other, essentially. And um, I think what's what's great about Emmy's work and why I really wanted to write this as a more positive story is that just having her visible um, is already making such a difference. Um, you know, you you expect, as we've said, you know, this this cis straight white male environment, and having someone who doesn't reflect that um, is just great for visibility. Um, and I think she's really making 
making waves there. Um, casters are becoming a lot more diverse. Mm. The players are becoming a lot more diverse. Um, and I think the knock-on of that is that the audience is also becoming more diverse and, and becoming more welcoming. And the content in the games itself um, seems to be becoming more diverse. One of the things she was saying in the interview um, was about how Siege particularly um, is, is now pushing, and Ubisoft actually, almost in spite of what is maybe its most vocal audience at, at, at some point, is pushing through um, you know, these di- diversity um, in a way that's, that's really great to see. And, and there is definitely a message of, of hope um, in, in the article that, you know, she, t- she sounds a bit worn out at points where she's like, <laughs> I realise I'm in the position where I am going to have to sort of blaze the trail here for a lot of people. But, you know, I'm happy to do that. So if, if only so one day I can kind of take a back <laughs> seat and <laughs> let some other people take, take the baton for me. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, there is definitely that knock-on effect of when a game has more diversity in it, it brings a more diverse and inclusive audience. Um, And yeah, you know, Siege is that sort of military shooter that is very straight white men. And, um, you know, they are really pushing for diversity, despite Ubisoft having their own problems in the past, um, potentially present as well. Um, You know, they are really pushing for, for more diverse characters. Um, so they've had their first trans operator, they've had a gay operator, they've had uh, a non-binary operator. Um, and that is really opening the eyes of, of the audience um, to these more inclusive themes, which is great. Um, and also with Valorant, Valorant was very much, from my understanding, created um, with inclusivity in mind. Um, you know, Riot had seen problems in other games from their own and others and decided we want to make a game designed for esports, but we want it to be inclusive. Um, and so from the beginning, it's had all these different characters that are, a, it's a much more diverse mix of characters. Um, and they've also really pushed women in esports. Um, they have a program called The Game Changers, um, which is a tournament specifically for women. Um, and they are really pushing that angle with Valorant. And therefore, that audience has immediately been a lot more inclusive. So it just shows the power that when you know developers actually start thinking about inclusivity from the very beginning and really put that in their games it really does have a knock-on effect um i think esports has developed this this uh, reputation because of the games it plays tend to be aimed at that kind of straight white male audience and because that's evolving the audience is now evolving and that's attracting new casters which is in turn bringing new audiences so it's all just kind of evolving from there really in a much more positive direction Fingers crossed, because also a lot of younger people are playing this game and that's kind of shaping their online behavior um, yeah. in many respects. So that's, you know, hopeful as well. Now, um, Alex, um, you wrote about a visual novel called Arcade Spirits um, for us, but really um, the article was about was about something more. It was about you finding a kind of joy um, that you were otherwise struggling to find. I, think, I don't want to say too much because I want you to put it in your words. Um, <laughs> tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so uh, this is a game called Arcade Spirits, The New Challenges. It's actually, it's not a sequel. It's part of the same series, which are visual novel games about video gaming. So it's immediately from the off very kind of poignant, the the subject matter um, of the game itself. They're they're for people who uh, love gaming. They, They love the community, especially. It's like a huge theme. Of, of the game and especially trying to make that community like a better place, more more inclusive and trying to get rid of that 
kind of toxic element that 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 you know is is a problem. And funnily enough, esports is also a major theme of the game as well, <laughs> strangely enough. <laughs> but um, yeah, this is a visual novel game where you create your own character, you choose your own pronouns, you choose your appearance. Uh, and then you interact with this kind of diverse roster of characters that you form an esports team with. And ah. um, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so um, even though I'm not hugely into esports, like there's still the the nice thing is each one of these characters also has an interest in their own kind of video games. Like someone really loves RPGs, another person loves sh- um, shoot 'em ups, and um, it's a game that has like a plot line that is fairly light-hearted but there are themes of mental illness and uh you know the the main character kind of suffers from self-esteem issues which i also felt a really deep resonance with (laughs) but um none of that is ever part of the relationships that you can build with the characters themselves and those relationships can just be friendships they can be rivalries but they also can be romantic uh, or sexual ones as well so um the roster like i said is very diverse and there are there are particular characters that i was drawn to um specifically there are two characters one is called loxley he's like a, he's just a guy i absolutely <laughs> loved your description in the piece of him being like a human golden retriever i could just <laughs> see in the picture i was like oh that yeah absolutely I'm such a sucker for that vibe of just like very um, non-confrontational in terms of like um, just very affable. He's he has this whole like Yoldi England thing going about him that is actually really endearing. Um, and then there's another character called Grace who is like really nice, kind of a lot soft. Like she's she's not as you know, intense as Loxley can be. And um, I just loved both of these characters so much. And I'm bisexual and I've been out for like a while now, almost like 10 years. Um, And like, it's obviously been a lot easier for me to sort of, being out was definitely like a good experience for me. I'm definitely happy that being out and like dating openly as a bisexual woman, but um, it's not been like all all sort of plain sailing. Um, There are things you have to deal with in real life um, from all sides, particularly if you're bisexual, there is biphobia, unfortunately, like everywhere. But um, in the new challenges, all, all of the relationship stuff, all of the particularly queer stuff where, you know, I was doing one playthrough where I was, like, with Loxley and another one where I was with Grace. And, like, at no point does... It's all it's all very relaxed. Like, it's all very easy for me to do those things, to have those relationships with those people and not ever feel like I'm being questioned or yeah. feel anxious about it like I do sometimes in in real life it's not to say that like my entire real life experience is miserable because it's not (laughs) I've definitely had positive experience and um, I definitely luckily I know loads of other openly out queer people as well which really helps when you have that community 
Um, yeah. But Arcade Spirits is almost like a, it's like a haven. Like yeah. it's just, yeah, it's just ha- it's just a really nice experience. I love that. I love um, games as a as a, a safer space to you know explore sides of you or just you know to feel like sort of a cuddle or like a buffer around you you know just yeah be yourself enjoy you know don't worry about some you know some of the pressures um i really love that now you also wrote a piece for us um about um so Dicebreaker um the site Alex um works for each month uh we publish a piece on Eurogamer called Dicebreaker Recommends which is a board game recommendation for the month and in fact Alex you've written a whole chunk of these anyway uh, maybe all of them I think Matt's maybe written uh one not all two. of them no. um, <laughs> but the the piece that you've written um this time I'm laughing because it's just this brilliantly unsubtle um game and you get it from the headline or you get it from the game's name it's called thirsty sword lesbians uh which just sounds great um tell us a bit about that yeah so this is a tabletop role-playing game so i think dungeon dragons is the easiest example but this does not use the same gameplay system as dungeon dragons it uses one called powered by the apocalypse which is really really good uh and this is a game where yeah your entire group you have a a game master but the entire player group plays as uh lesbians who are out in this world where where um queerness is just a thing that's accepted it's it's not ever questioned again um it's the norm in many ways and um you just play these characters who um, are interacting with one another and non-player characters in a way that's just very melodramatic, very like, you know, um, sort of out there. Like, <laughs> like the game is designed from the ground up to encourage these interactions of like swordplay. Uh, there's like two main things you'll be doing. There's like swordplay and there's like flirtation. So yeah. you'll be encountering these other you know, characters who will, you know, you'll have friction with, but that doesn't necessarily mean you won't want to flirt with them. So there are, like, gameplay elements where you'll be fighting one minute, but then the next minute you're also exchanging, like, words of, you know, like, seduction. And um, it's just one of those games that's so, yeah, unapologetically just out there. Like, I just... Read- um, there was a line from you, um, or a quote from you in this piece, um, and it called the game A Glorious Escape from Inhibition, which I just thought sounded wonderful, you know, just casting everything aside and going, okay, let's let's do it, which it sounds great. And the way you're talking about it is like, what if one day our world is like that? Wouldn't that yeah, be Yeah, nice? well, it, it's obviously, like, I do state, and I think this is important, I think, and this is something I struggle with as well as a queer person, sometimes it feels like you're expected to behave in a certain way right. if you are queer. So, like, obviously, there's, like, let's give an example, Ru- RuPaul's Drag Race is great, and loads of people really love that, and it is, like, an expression of queerness, but, like, not everyone expresses their queerness in that way or is comfortable to yeah and um that's totally valid and fine um but this game kind of gives you the full like permission to just like it's it's about disaster lesbians you can be as messy (laughs) and as like you know um open as possible maybe again kind of like the new challenges in a way that i wouldn't sometimes be as like I don't know how to, to describe it, just like it's yeah. as messy as like I would be in Thirsty Sword Lesbians. 
Brilliant. Um, thank you uh, for sharing that. So um, there are still some pieces to come. Um, another piece I really enjoyed this week. Um, they, they were they're all great, but one that really stood out to me was Lottie's piece on RuneScape. Um, and I really love this because Lottie's been playing this game for about 15 years or something. It's sort of about half her life. And she's watched the game change its attitude um, towards certain things because the game is always evolving, obviously. And one thing that's come in uh, to the game is more um, LGBTQ plus um, representation um, and particularly kind of gay storylines that uh, Lottie has been sort of looking for. And she's sort of, you know, describing the ones that she likes um, in the piece. Um, and it just sounds wonderful. I love that we have these games that aren't, not stuck in time that they can change over the course of time uh, with the audience that plays them um, and so like so well done Jagex I suppose um, in in that regard but also you know Lottie's talking a lot about her life and it. it's a really lovely piece um, on, on the flip side of that is Sharang's um, slightly louder but equally I love the way he writes a uh, brilliant piece about the joy of fantasies in games um, you know, whether intended in the game or sort of added as fan fiction or modded into the game afterwards. And I love this piece because he has a crush on Alistair in Dragon Age. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, which is just brilliant. And like he has this hot, thirsty crush on Alistair and it's just hilarious uh, um, to read about. Um, but there's, there's loads of pieces. Another piece by Eli Cugini. I think I've maybe said the surname okay there, uh, which is about more challenging uh, queer representations in game, you know, not the sort of expected queer representations, the ones that divide a community, and, and but it provides a talking point and a thinking mm -hmm. point, um, which which makes it um, interesting. There's still a piece by um, Kaylin to come, which I haven't read, but I've been uh, assured is brilliant. Um, and also, there's a, a podcast coming uh, from me by um, where I talk to Dragon Age creator um, David Gader. Um, oh, wow. which is wonderful, which is a real highlight for me because that's a world that um, I love and kind of lost myself in. And we talk about the creation of Dragon Age. Um, he was given um, a, a historic atlas by James Olin and was like told to go away, go and create like a world uh, to go and do it. Um, and also him being um, a gay person at Bioware, which was something that he kept to himself because he saw a kind of frat boy community around him and he thought this isn't gonna maybe gel with the atmosphere around me so i just i'm just gonna keep that to myself um but slowly as as things like same-sex marriage was legalized in canada which is where bioware is and then an email thread went round and a, a couple were getting married or someone from the team was getting married and everyone was chucking in their congratulations he's thinking oh, maybe this isn't such a sort of uh you know, frat boy place. And then um, same-sex relationships in Dragon Age games are something that he's had a big hand in. Who's um, probably the most famous character that he um, is responsible for is Dorian from Dragon oh. Age Inquisition, um, who is um, a gay character, um, you know, uh, which a lot of the characters in Bioware games aren't. They sort of are player sexual, I think I read somewhere, which is they will just be whatever the player wants them to be, which isn't, obviously like real life. Um, so that's interesting. We talk about that, his reasons for leaving uh, Bioware and also what he's doing now, um, which is making the best sounding game ever. Uh, it's called Stray Gods, uh, the musical RPG. And it is a musical RPG. So instead of combat, you have all the gameplay in sort of musical sections. So you're singing a song and then that's how you kind of play the game. Plus there's dialogue and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's going up uh, tomorrow for everyone. So do look out for that. 
Very um, excited about that for sure. Yeah, I think I saw that on Steam and I was like, oh my God, this sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so. For so many for so many reasons uh, as well, not least because, you know, it is sidestepping combat as, as a main mechanic in its game. It also looks incredibly stylish as well. The art is really vibrant and evocative as well. And I, I love this sound of, of the musical. It could, could be really joyous and just a lovely experience to play. It's a new thing. I think everyone who um, is around games for a long time, whether as a game player, a game maker, or a games writer, is uh, excited when a new kind of thing uh, comes out. Um, so, moving swiftly on, um, uh, in features this week, um, it's mostly mostly Pride Week, but um, I also took a look at a game from Devolver uh, and a, a developer called Massive Monster called Cult of the Lamb. Um, and I can't rec uh, recommend this game enough. It's just a preview, it's not a review yet, uh, but it's this cutesy sort of woodland creatures cartoon vibe. A bit like if you're looking at like Sylvanian families, the game. Um, but there's as if they're all sort of possessed by Satan. There's like a whole devil worshipping thing. And it's just the sort of care and attention. It's an action RPG, uh, roguelike, so it's a bit like, a bit like Hades in that regard. Um, but you have this sort of base building mechanic where you get you put your uh, followers, you can convert your followers to your cult, and then you put them to work chopping trees and building stuff and all that kind of thing. Meanwhile, you go out on missions to kind of clear rooms and kill bosses and things then you bring your resources back and uh, but like none of that's particularly new but it's the style the game does this with and the sort of little touches the kind of uh, the details like you have a temple in your base um, where you can give sermons and it, it could just be a temple that you never go into but it actually lets you go into it and when you're giving sermons your little cute lamb like floats in the air and there's these kind of rays around them and stuff it's just like lovely attention to detail it is keep an eye on that one um, i um i played some of that at uh, at wast a couple of months ago um awesome and people there were describing it as hades meets Stalgy valley which immediately i was like yep i want to play that um and you're right i mean it it doesn't do anything super new but just the style of it is so twisted and so funny uh, and so unexpected so i am very much excited to uh, to play that one itself that juxtaposition of like cute next to quite uh, sinister, it yeah. works so well because you don't expect it. Also yeah. at, at WASD, this or WAS, uh, this London uh, game show, um, they had around the, the booth, they had these little lamb teddy bears like hanging <laughs> from the ceiling, uh, which, like, which was like gross, but brilliant. Um, yeah. I think this one's going to be special. So, so keep an eye on it. Um, in Reviews Land this week, we had a review for a game called Eternal Threads, which I don't know if either of you have heard for, but sounds kind of fascinating to me. So it's a time travel game. Um, I don't know if you've seen Loki, uh, the, the yes. miniseries, but mm. you know how the people, the agents and that sort of go and fix the timeline for things. Mm. Um, it's a bit like that. You're kind of a, 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 an agent like that, and you're going to fix a timeline, but the timeline you're trying to fix um, is like a sort of murder or something. So like six people have died. And you need to play around with the timeline in order to kind of save these people, um, which just sounds like an interesting take. Yeah. It? it doesn't look too sort of sci-fi. It looks kind of real worldy, but obviously time travel and a bit of uh, you've got this kind of gizmo in your hand. that's like your 
uh, device for doing that. Um, Vicky, um, who reviewed it for us, seemed to really like it. She recommended it. Um, and it's out now on PC, uh, and it's coming later this year on PS4, Xbox One, and Switch, which is a bit bizarre. Not the newer consoles, but I guess you can play it on them. Also in reviews, land this week, Martin played a racing game, like he always does. <laughs> uh, this was uh, this year's F1 game, F1 22. Uh, Martin liked it. It's still a great game, and it's a bit more bloated, or is actually actual words, than last year. Uh, but it's also a bit broader, so it kind of welcomes new new players a bit more. So good game, doesn't reinvent the wheel. Sorry about the pun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, in Digital Foundry land this week, uh, they took a look at Sonic Origins um, from tech point of view and weren't that impressed. Uh, John Linneman says, what could have been the best Sonic compilation to date needs extra work. I feel like he's doing a disappointed <laughs> teacher face when yeah, he... very much. <laughs> um, in video land this week, um, Ian went to a real-life castle um, and messed around in Ian fashion, uh, pretending he's <laughs> in an Elder Scrolls game um, and playing around with swords and armor and bows and arrows. Um, it was to do with the launch of an Elder Scrolls Online uh, expansion called High Isle, um, but it's fun just to watch Ian mess around, basically. Uh, Ian also took a look at a Dark Souls remastered VR mod uh, as part of his VR kind of crusade, um, and that looks fun. Um, Zoe, meanwhile, uh, continued or streamed her current obsession with Ooblets, uh, which is a very mm -hmm. colourful sort of part farming sim, part Pokemon game from a couple of years ago. I don't know if either of you ever played Ooblets. I haven't, but I have heard very good things. Yeah, I haven't either, uh, but likewise. Um, Zoe also took a look at the new Resident Evil Village uh, DLC trailer, which, Ed, I imagine you have looked at too and are interested in too. Yes. Um, I mean, we get to step on people um, as Lady D and throw chairs, so what's not to love? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm also excited, to be honest, probably more excited actually to play the game in third person because I generally prefer third person games to first person and okay. i'm really interested to see how the horror elements of village sort of translate into third person um yeah. so i'm interested by that because so much of it is about uh, having control of someone's viewpoint isn't it because mm. and when you open it up so you've got like a, all this kind of peripheral vision and around you is that going to take away from the sort of claustrophobia of just having that first yeah. person viewpoint yeah, and we, we all joke about Lady D and her sort of towering over you, but you really get that sense in first person, um, you know, and, and the the the, um, the scene where he gets lifted up and he's sort of looking down and she's like licking his wrist. I just, I can't imagine that in third person. So I'm just really intrigued to see how they're making that work. Yeah, maybe it's a, it will be a good um, argument for why these games go for um, first person view over third person. They're like, here, mm -hmm. have a look. Um, mm. <laughs> it'd be funny if it completely neuters something that they've already made <laughs> anyway um, uh, moving on to news uh, this week um, there was another Nintendo uh, Direct this week uh, which gave us a bunch of updates for things nothing sort of major major I don't think maybe arguably the biggest announcement was that um, the new Monkey Island game um, Return to Monkey Island is going to be a Switch first console exclusive so it's coming to switch before other consoles basically is is the more uh 
more the better way of saying that um <laughs> did anything else catch your eye in this ed i've got a list of things but i want to hear from you first yeah um i mean monkey island the news team will love it and i've never played it so they will hate me um, but that's fine <laughs> um yeah i think um one of the other big announcements was mario and rabbits uh right. the, the next the next game of that which so this is I the turn-based strategy vibe Exactly. And I am yet to play the first one, but I'm now like, right, I need to play that soon and get it get it up on uh, off the backlog. Um, I think that looks really bright, really colourful, really fun. Um, I really love Rabid Rosalina. She is absolutely a vibe. She's just lazy <laughs> and just like, can't be bothered to be there. And I'm like, I can identify with that. Um, so I think that's looking great. And I think a lot of people are also really excited for the Persona games to finally come to Switch. Mm which we knew was coming to other consoles and Steam and is now finally announced for Switch. So Persona 5 Royal is first in October, I want to say. Right, and the new Mario Rabbids game is coming October as well. Um, you can have Bowser in your group, apparently, uh, 20th of October. Um, Alex, are you a Switch player? I am. I do have a Switch. Um, I love it. Um, it you know, uh, I feel like the, the Mario Rabbids game was never something that I was particularly interested in. Um, and the, you know, the Persona games I've never played either. So the Nintendo Direct wasn't really hugely up my street, but, yeah. um, you know, also because all I wanted was the, to announce a new Fire Emblem game. So, and everyone was getting <laughs> all excited on Twitter about there's going to be a new Fire Emblem game. And there was not. So, um, you know, I didn't get what I wanted out of it. So one day, one day. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so there was a lovely looking game, a, a text free um, adventure um, called Blanc or Blank um, about a fawn and a wolf cub that, like in some Disney movie, have to work together to get across a snowy wilderness. Um, and that's a console exclusive on, on Switch and coming out in February next year, which I thought looked really cute and very switchy uh, as well. And also that there's a Final Fantasy Stardew Valley game called Harvest Stella. Um, mm. which, I don't know, I don't know what to do with that in my head. Is that like a Harvest Moon game? Or is it associated yeah, with that people, series? People are saying it's sort of, it's like Harvest Moon, Rune Factory, Stardew Valley, all mixed together with like a Final Fantasy job system. Um, which, it, for some people, is is exactly what they want in life. I, yeah. <laughs> um, look, I was looking through the direct, there's also um, a Disney kind of farming game, there's a Doraemon farming game. There are okay. so many farming and life sims at the moment. Um, just, just tick them all off. Final Fantasy is another <laughs> one done. Yeah. Um, we also got a new look um, at the Monster Hunter Rise uh, update for Sunbreak, which is coming in August, so really soon. Um, and the Switch release of Nier Automata, uh, which is also on its way. Um, oh, there was another cool-looking game um, from the developer, uh, the Yearwalk developer, Simogo, uh, called, and I saw a lot of people talking about this, called Lorelei or Lorelei, and the laser eyes, uh, which is coming from Annapurna um, and Simogo. And it's this surreal puzzle adventure. And it does look kind of weird, but also kind of brilliant at the same time. I don't know how else to describe it. It's kind of got black and white vibes. and Yeah, it's uh, kind of PS1 vibes and sort of grainy visual pixel visuals and things. Yeah, a bit strange. Anyway, um, 
there's more on the site about uh, the Nintendo Direct um, if you're curious about that. Moving on quickly, though, um, a new Star Ocean game or the new Star Ocean game called The Divine Force um, has got a 27th of October release date. That's coming to PC, Xbox and PlayStation. Uh, meanwhile, Amazon's TV adaptation of Fallout um, added some star talent this week, bagging none other than Twin Peaks legend Kyle MacLachlan. Uh, to play some unspecified role. This is the series being put together by Westworld's creators uh, with the help of Bethesda, which I don't know if it's a good thing. Uh, Todd Howard's involved. Again, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and filming's expected to kick off later this year. I can never tell. Who knows what's going to be good on Amazon? Um, I know that The Boys is good um, on Amazon. I don't know if either of you have watched this. No, Amazon. It's, it's crazy. And there was another headline this week that uh, Hideo Kojima was apparently um, interested in making a superhero game in the style of The Boys, which The Boys is like this. It's almost a satire on superhero films. It's completely over the top and gross um, and absurd almost. And so that I, I recommend watching it. It's, it's very mm. laugh out loud funny. There's some crazy stuff in it. Um, Elsewhere, uh, Sony unveiled some new gaming-related hardware um, in the shape of a high-end monitor and headset, both, both of which look great. It's part of a new brand called InZone, um, and they both look pretty good, if quite expensive. don't really know what else to say about those. Yeah, um, they're, they're really pushing PC stuff, I think, with all these PC releases coming over. So I think it's just an extension of that more than anything. Yeah, I mean, good specs um, mm. on the monitor. I guess I'll wait for Digital Foundry to to have oh, a course. go uh, and see what they think of it. But it, on paper, it sounds good. Um, Pokemon Go creator Niantic, or Niantic um, announced a new basketball-themed game called NBA All World, which is sort of in... It, it plays on their real-world thing, and there's going to be PvP and kind of location control, presumably in, around basketball courts in the real world. Um I, I imagine. I don't know. They didn't really give any details on it. It kind of is that going to translate elsewhere in the world? I'd like there aren't that many basketball courts in Brighton where where um, <laughs> this, is, I, this is probably the farthest thing from, from what I'm familiar it, with. <laughs> it sounds like it's like uh, someone's go. Oh, we've got this big merchandise deal. Can you make an NBA game work? And they're like, yeah. Probably. <laughs> Can make it work. <laughs> um, anyway, that's probably going to be massive, and I'm, I'm just sounding really old and boring. Um, uh, elsewhere, there were release date details for Ubisoft's long-awaited and delayed pirate game, Skull and Bones. Apparently, oh. it's coming out uh, in, on 8th of November. Uh, apparently. This hasn't been uh, confirmed yet. I, I kind of, it's the sort of game that I kind of think, is it ever going to come out? Uh, yeah. We seem to have been waiting for it for a long time. Who knows? Will um, it be worth it after all that time is, is the other question. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Overwatch 2, uh, another Overwatch 2 close beta kicked off uh, or launched this week as well on consoles and PC. So I expect to hear a lot about that from various corners of the internet. Um, in little stories, an AI learned apparently to play Minecraft by watching 40,000 hours of YouTube. Maybe dice breaker videos. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt he would have learned much about Minecraft from watching dice breaker videos. But... <laughs> um, and Fall Guys is back in a massive way after mm. launching free to play. Apparently, it had something like 20 million players in just a few days. So it's getting lots of attention, both in mm -hmm. terms of. 
people playing it and in terms of updates and things like that. So if you've never played Fall Guys or if you kind of lapsed, now might be the time to get back into it. Um, and that is all the weather, as they say. Ed and Alex, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, been, been a pleasure. Um, I'm Bertie. Thank you, everyone else, uh, for listening. We'll be back next week with more Weekly. Bye for now. Bye-bye.